Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, you survived the uh, brownouts and blackouts last week out there uh, on the East Coast? Yeah, and the, and the guest host status. I survived all of that. <laughs> no, I brought, you back, I brought you back to co-host this week. <laughs> but... Um, it's a pleasure for us to have uh, this week uh, Johnny Hughes, a uh, longtime MMA fighter, great member of the MMA community.com forum. Um, guy's been fighting from the Valley Tudo days to, uh, you know, to the modern day rules. Hasn't fought in, in a few years. He's basically retired now, but um, he uh, really knows his stuff and he's seen a lot of history. So uh, we'd like, we, uh, we're pl- it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, Johnny, how you doing, my man? Uh, thanks, man. It's nice talking to you. Um, I'm really looking forward to this because I'm finally some all my friends call me like the MMA Cyclopedia and it's good to bounce some info and stuff off of you and touch base with the biggest MMA fan there is, Mr. Hawkins, and I'm just glad to be here, man. Well, glad you were able to uh to make it tonight. Uh so so get us going here a little bit. Uh you know, one of the things that gets me fascinated is uh when I when I've talked to you in the past or about fights and stuff is that you got into it uh when it was basically Valley Tudo. Um what was it, you know, that really got you into it? And uh, what was your background that, that allowed you to have the confidence really to go into a no-holds-barred fight? Uh, not to be cliche or anything, but uh, growing up, uh, I went to like, oh, like 15, 16 different elementary schools. So I was uh, always going to be the new kid in school because we was poor from poverty. I'm trying to put too much out there. But you know how the new kid gets messed with a lot, and I got messed with a lot, so I had to learn how to protect myself. And back then, I remember I watched all the WWF DVDs and, or excuse me, VHSs at the store, and I seen this something else I thought was generic wrestling. I'd never heard of the UFC. Uh, this is 1994, 95 actually, and first one I ever seen was Tank versus uh, was Oleg, Oleg that night, and um, I was like, when I put it in, at first I was I didn't know what I expect, and I seen it was MMA. And back then they called it no holds barred, and I was like flabbergasted. I was like, "This is legit. This is what I've been looking for." Literally from that moment on, I almost give up watching fake. I mean, I hate to say it, I like wrestling for the spectacle and stuff, but it was that. And uh, and then honestly, in the neighborhood, I would be rolling with all the neighborhood kids, and I knew like armbar, like generic. I mean, I wasn't very great or anything, but I knew more than they did, and I would be tapping real big kids out, and they wouldn't be able to believe it because I was a lot smaller than all of them and uh I went from there and I never had uh I never played any organized sports until I moved here in the middle school really started uh doing eighth and like eighth grade wrestling like I uh went out for the basketball team was the only kid not to make the basketball team uh it was oh no they put out a list and it pretty much didn't have who made it it just had my name on it pretty much the guy that didn't make the team so I was devastated because I wanted to play with my cousin rest in peace but I wanted to play with him, and they uh, I didn't make the team, so I went out for wrestling. First 14 matches I had, I didn't get a point scored on me. I thought I was untouchable. And then that's when I realized there's a thing called levels of this stuff. And my uh-huh. 15th match, I got my head put down by my crotch and stuck and cried my way all the way home. Cried, 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 and then uh, I stuck with wrestling. So I ended up, uh, and then all through school, man. All I would do, everybody else was out doing whatever. You can ask any of my friends. I was literally, every day I would watch, I would go get King of the Cage box sets. 
and I would watch every single every for hours. I'd stay up all day. All I'd do was lift weights, run, watch, and watch MMA and take notes and, and re- actual wrestling. And that I'm just like almost like that's all. It's, it consumes my life almost to like a, a crazy degree. So well, that's I mean, how I'm pretty much started. So when did you uh, when did you expand your your skill set? Well, I was going like in in high school. Like I said, I didn't start wrestling until like eighth grade, and I was like uh, my best friend Matt Jaggers was shout out. He was uh, one of the all, like from where I'm from. The school is considered one of the best programs in Indiana history, and what it comes down to is like five of the top ten all time winningest wrestlers like wins are from Newcastle. Well, I was a pretty, a good wrestler, but I was used to being around great wrestlers. So literally, I almost felt like I wasn't on their level. So I like, but I always had a mean rough roughness to me, and uh, and I kind of got burned out. I was thinking about wrestling in college and stuff, and then I thought, no, I'm just gonna take a year off from college. And my manager, Chaz Bowling, him and him and Monty Cox ended up both being my managers, but um. They uh, he heard heard about me heard that I was kind of a roughneck kid in school and he uh, had trains he he manages everybody from Rich Flint anybody you can think of Gurgel the Gurgels long story short he him and the pow, him and the Gary Myers Team Wolfpack would train at the Pow Club in Muncie well he said <clears throat> he said you want to this is when I'm 18 years old he asked me if I wanted to go train on Monday and once I went that first time with him man I was hooked I got the crap kicked out of me throwing hands. And I didn't like getting beat on thrown hands. So I was praying for freaking grappling day to come along. And then I progressed like that. And the town that I come from is like, like I said, 18,000 people. But we've had over I, over 10 fighters that's fought all the way from the UFD to Singoku, Bellator, I fought on the lead XC, King of the Cage. And I and long story short, I literally went from watching DVDs, like loving the King of the Cage, to end up one day being ranked in the King of the Cage rankings. And I was a promoter for them in Elite XC. And uh, Chaz Bowling, he got me, and we, that's how it started, man. And since I was 18, man, it went from then. I was I would literally – I remember at one time, my teammates, we'd have like nine fights in seven weeks. We was literally grinding. There was – there were, yeah, we didn't play. It was like we was used to wrestling week in and week out, and it just transitioned over. My buddy Jaggers, he wrestled – he went to IU, but he ended up uh, dropping out and started doing MMA too. And like I said, ain't no many people had two in – in a year and a half, two-year span, Matt Jaggers, he fought – he drew Marlon Sandro the first round of the uh, Sengoku tournament, and then he fought the Korean Zombie, and then wow. a year, not even a year after that, he fought T.J. Dillashaw on the Ultimate Fighter. So, my best friend ended up he never been in a fight in his life, and he ended up training after school and stuff, and that's how it went. When uh, I was going to mention Jagger from uh, Sengoku, that's mainly where I know his name. When you started training, uh, you mentioned Gary Myers. I know him. I believe he fought in Extreme uh, Championship uh, or Extreme Fighting One. Um, I think he beat Tom Glanville and then lost to uh, Conan Silveira in, in the yep. finals of that tournament. And I, he also fought uh, Carlos Barreto in um, in the IVC. Was uh, yep. he, that was, when you so you said he, 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 would he fight him in WEF or something like that? He did okay. Yes, so, he did. Uh, when uh, when you got there though, he was already pretty much established. Was he the leader of the oh yeah clan down there? Well, see, I started training Gary. That's the thing about Gary. Like, Gary, I knows Gary. Like, I knew Gary growing up. I'd watched him before I even met him. I'd seen him on the uh, the uh, extreme combat that you're talking about, Battlecade. And I'd seen his name, Muncie, Indiana, pop up. But I freaked out because I didn't know that there was a – to me, these guys are like, you know what I mean? I don't realize that everybody comes from somewhere. And here Gary is, and he's from Muncie. And I remember seeing him, and he's a wrestler, so I was intrigued. And when it comes to find out, my manager, Chaz Bowling, is – 
is really good friends with him. So when we went to Gary Myers Team Wolfpack, Gary was still training, but he was it was like early two thousands, and Gary was still fighting, but he wasn't near as into it as he was. And uh, he would come in, he would take on us. He was at all of our fights. He'd be cheering us all on. He looked at us like you know, what I mean, little brothers and stuff. And he was just glad that uh, Team Wolfpack had been put on in the great hands because, like I said. For our small town, on our team, like which was unknown, we had uh, Matt Jaggers, who was fought in the UFC, or the Ultimate Fighter. We had Anthony Lapsley, who was in the UFC, Bobby McDaniel. Uh, we'd have, like, for instance, we was affiliated with uh, Miltage, so we'd have, like, Tim Sylvia would come down here and train with us. Even, like, the Gurgels, we was affiliated with them. Gurgel, we'd go train with their guys, and Gurgel guys would come over here, Matt Brown. And, uh, like, we had Bubba McDaniels. We had um, uh, Sean McCorkle train with us sometimes. And we was, like, that's what uh, Matt or uh, Jens Pulver even said it on King of the Cage, that how uh, when you bring up Wolfpack, it was known around the Midwest as, like, that's where you go if you want to tune up your wrestling. It's just a bunch of strong, strong wrestlers, which we pretty much taught ourselves with something. It's crazy. We all got on the big shows, and we didn't have, like, I had, we had a black belt jiu-jitsu coach, but we had to drive all the way to Greenwood, Indiana, to get that. But on day-in, wow. day-out basis, we was training each other, so it was crazy. Yeah, man, we had the guys in the big show, and we was a small team that got known for being grind, tough, tough wrestlers. Yeah, back then, jiu-jitsu was hard to find, I mean, anywhere, uh, just because it was still spreading around. It's not like it was, not, not like it is now. But where are, you, uh, where are you exactly right now? What's your location? Because we kind of just jumped in real quick. Uh, we started a little late, so. Kessel, Indiana, and that's another thing. Like, there's more black belts taking a piss in a public bathroom in the state of Florida right now than there are probably legitimate black belts in Indiana. <laughs> and that's one thing that's hard because James Clearman, he's a James Clearman is a A1 black belt. He's had his black belt for over 11 years, and we train under him. And my brother, my little brother, rest in peace, Chris Collins, he trained under him. But uh, we would the thing is, is like we would train with him a couple times a week, but we didn't actually at the time have an in gym uh, jiu jitsu coach. But uh, every all the guys, like, for instance, Bo McDaniel, everybody he had trained came from somewhere else, and we had, like, a fighter house, and at times we'd stay together, and we'd – because when I wasn't – we wasn't fighting. My manager, Chaz, he set us up. We had a pretty good gig, man. I was making more money as a young, when I was that age younger than I do now because back then I didn't have any kids or anything, so I would literally just – for instance, we would go set out from Indiana, go to uh, we'd, uh, Sorny Casino in Michigan – and when a couple of our guys would fight on that car, wouldn't even go home, take a road trip and go to our next car. And we either set up cage doing promotions and we was making pretty good money just doing that in between our fights. So a bunch of just a bunch of young, hungry guys just traveling together, just getting better. And that's another thing. Every time we travel anywhere we got to go, a lot of times uh, Chaz, he managed fighters on almost every team we was at. So him and Monty. So we had we, we was grandfathered in here. They would let us come and we train at all these gyms. We like got to train out with uh, Gracie Baja, American Top Team, the Militech, a lot of great places. And Mikey Burnett's gym, uh, we got to train at a lot of good places. And I got to see a lot of different looks that was the thing i might not have had an in uh we didn't have an in like in like a lot of coaches where we're from but we got to, we got to do a lot of stuff people didn't by having our a luxury of getting to get paid to go watch fights and get to go train and get paid to eat pretty much it was hard living on good per diem money freaking fighters usually hungry i was hungry but not when i was we have good per diem work for elite at sea i was, was living pretty good it was hard to make light sometimes huh. What uh what went from so you so when you're training with these guys and stuff what uh why don't you take us into your uh, your first pro fight what um you know what was that experience like and, and how was the success there, or, or failures from the from the start for you like I said like uh I lost my uh my my very first fight I ever had my as an amateur 
I uh, fought a guy like I got in a, it was called a rough man tournament. And like my buddy who was an old wrestler, Jeremy model, who's looking through the newspaper and he's seen a rough man. He's like, this is going down tonight. You're, he goes, well, I'm signing you up. And like around here, like where I'm from, like the older wrestlers always come back to the school and take care of the younger wrestlers and teach them. That's why I get back too. So this is my big homie and I don't want to let him down. Cause he's, he's the man. Like I looked up to him a lot. So I was like, all right, Jeremy, whatever you want to do. So they put me in this, my very first fight I had, I fought a guy that was from a, uh, I, I think he was, I couldn't tell you on a gi, but I didn't know what it was. And the guy that was, uh, they introduced this guy, Sean Salee, who's a pro fighter, as a special guest, and everybody went crazy. Little did they know, my corner man, Jeremy Model, who was a pro fighter, they were taking time off. They didn't even know that Jeremy Model had destroyed that guy in 30 seconds, like a year before, but it was just funny. Well, that guy looks at Jeremy, my corner man, and says, hey. He goes, can I expect a slam out of your guy? And my buddy Jeremy tells me, pick him up and spit in his ass. So the guy comes out, throws a, uh, throws a high kick. I catch the kick, and when I catch it, I pick him up, and I jump. And so, the, you know, when you spear somebody, you get, loud, you get, you get to, the, to the ground parallel. Well, I jumped up with him and inverted him and put him on his head. And when I landed, my shoulder landed. I landed all my weight onto his, on his chin and my shoulder knocked him out cold, but it dislocated my shoulder, tore my pec, everything, and I knocked wow. him out cold. And and I couldn't, and back then I couldn't punch with the shit anyway. So when I went to throw uh, my punches, it looked like a girl because I couldn't lift my right hand. So I'm throwing these little sucky looking left hands. And then my dad's yelling at me in the crowd, and he doesn't realize. And they stop, and the guy's out. And I stand up, and my, I look at my corner man. I said, dude, my shoulder's out of socket. And I'll never forget this hillbilly son of a gun looks at me with a chew in. He says, hell yeah, they stop it. I said, no, my shoulder's out of socket, dude. <laughs> he was like, oh. Well, fast forward, I'm like, like I ended up losing my next fight and freaking back then I'd fight any weight. That's the thing. Like my weight back then, if, if a guy didn't show that I was supposed to fight, they didn't, I'd bump up weight. I didn't give a damn. I was just ready to scrap, but I ended up having pretty good success from one, a bunch of amateur fights in the row. And, um, they, this is when it comes into my pro debut. I get a call from my manager and says, Hey, you think you can make uh you think you make one sixty five by Friday? And this is like on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Hmm. I'm like, uh, depends. He and then he tells me the amount. And back then, you know, what I mean, a couple grand's good money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, hell yeah! I said I'll try my best. So I literally cut from 181 to one uh, down to 165. Well, when I get down, when I get to uh, uh, Dallas. Mind you, this is for Mark Cuban and Access TV. I didn't even know this. Like, I'm literally just worried about cutting away. I didn't realize because my teammate got injured and my uh, manager was pushing my pro debut back a little bit, but I was on a run where I was won like six or eight in a row, and he thought I was ready, So, and it was good money, and he said, he's a striker, yada, yada, yada. They put me in this uh, – they bring me to the dang hotel, and I remember I'm like 166, and I weigh in. And then the kid that I'm fighting, he weighs in, and he weighs 166. Well, it's a 65, but he catch weight anyways. His manager looks at my manager and he says, hey, they're 66. Let's just agree they do 66. I'm like, cool. And the weigh-in's like two hours later, three hours later. So I'm like, good. I can go sip a little something and take a nap. Well, I go up there and drink a half a Gatorade, and, and I'm laid up. And the next thing I know, about an hour later, my manager's banging on my door, tells me, that the the guy has two managers and his other manager said hell no he says well he's making us both make 165 so here i am 
couple ways. That's happened to me another occasion. That's a whole other story. But uh, he makes it. He says we're gonna make it. So my manager's heated. He's down there, and I'm like Chris Price because on this card it had a Sean Salmon when he was before he when he, before he got knocked out by Rashad, he was undefeated. You had a uh, you had Cole Miller. He was this is before he got in the UFC. You had um you had uh, there was a it was a it was a dang good lineup. Anyways, and I'm down there cutting weight, and all the guys are in the in the thing helping me cut, and they're. Scraping the water off of him, your manager's yelling, tomorrow you make him pay. When you whoop his butt, look right at his manager, let him know. He got that ass whooping worse because how they did you like that. So long story short, after I make weight, looking at a fondue fountain, eating chocolate, and this guy's talking mad smack, dude, like like literally at the wings, like just talking. And I'm so tired and hurt. Like I can't even like holy stand up. I don't even care like about fight, about even fighting right then. I just wanted to get drink something and go hunt, lay down. Well, guy's talking smack. Well, next day, 51 seconds later, I dump him on his head and break his orbital bone with elbows about 51 seconds in, and he's begging on the bottom saying, asking me to stop. And I, I elbow him. I could have kept doing him dirty, but th- here's another thing. Texas at the time had just done MMA. The commission came, and they was making. They said that they, if elbows you could elbow, but you had to cradle the back of the head while you threw the elbow. So here I am trying to cradle this dude like a baby, and I'm elbowing him. Couple times and he and I heard it crack and he's hurt and he goes you I'm done I'm done and I look at the referee's Japanese and I'm not no be race so I just didn't know if he could understand I was like you better make sure he knows and I'm about to hit him again and he waits like telling him no he can't see and the, they to pull him off and sure enough his eyes all lumped up and right in the ring he starts apologizing saying I'm not the guy you met yesterday I was just trying to pump up the fight this that, and the other and I was like it's all good man it is what it is and yeah it was a great night dude you got to make pretty good money fought where the Dallas Mavericks play and. That set off a that set off a chain reaction. That was the that was good good times, man. I was, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Met a lot of cool people. You know what I mean? Looking around, see meet Buster Rhymes, Hogan. It's like you never know. You like you've been to a Matt. You don't know who you're gonna meet at these damn things. Yeah. And it's like you almost become like we're all human beings. But I know I was rambling on. But that's how my amateur and pro debuts pretty much went. So so with with the way you started, I mean, especially now we were talking before we went live. We were talking about how we all. We're all uh, we all follow the fight news and everything going on. So when you hear about fights uh, not happening for for uh, reasons outside of like like Crow Cop, obviously he's injured. But you know when you hear guys fighting about money and, and things like that, as somebody that came up when when you when the amounts of money weren't as high as they are now, how does that make you feel? Like what's your initial reaction when you when you see reasons for folks not fighting when it's financial? Uh, almost kind of odd. I almost look at it like the early guys. I'm not. They almost sacrificed. They they took crappy wages. They build the sport. So these guys nowadays would can have good money. And I have no problem at all with a guy like holding out, trying to make his worth. But you got to realize when you like these guys have like they don't realize they're talking about they want to go to UFC, UFC, UFC. Well, there's so many other organizations out there that pay good too. That if you get one track, you get so narrow minded, you don't realize you can step over. You can step over dollars to pick up change and not sell yourself short. And I see a lot of these guys getting these contracts. And like for once, like I hate to say, it, but Ally Quinta. I'm glad that he stands up for himself and stuff like that. But at the same time, a lot of these guys will sign a contract and take a fight, which that's the only thing that bothers me. But it's I do not like how MMA is a monopoly almost, like how the money, the fighters really don't have any control on the money. And that really, really bothers me, especially like what's sad is I would sell tickets in my hometown and I would make more money than sometimes like than I would like the early, like UFC was just funny to me, like, how it's just weird how the whole MMA works. Like the pay scale, I don't agree. I think that's a 
scamming it's scamming itself. Max, did you imagine go to your job and they'd say, well, you know what? If you look good enough, we'll give you your other half the money. You know how hard it is being a fighter. It's a double-edged sword. You literally fight, and when you win, you're so excited because you, you win. And then you were like, oh, I get paid for this too. But imagine getting your ass kicked, and then you got to worry about how I'm going to cut the other part of my bills because I didn't earn my other half the money. Well, the damn concussion and the cuts on my eyes and the beating I give myself tells me different. So I do not like that pay scale. You could offer me $10,000 flat or $7,500, $7,500. I'm, I'm taking the sure thing. And it's sad. That's what they don't realize. There's a whole there's things that go into this. Your gym dues. It's not just like a regular nine to five. People think, oh, you make this much money in this in 10 seconds. No. The the nights I stay up worrying about somebody's knocking my out. out. The, the uh, I in the gym worrying about. That's another thing. I believe fighters, honestly, I think every fighter on the UFC roster should be uh, should be on a set per se. Could you imagine how much easier it would make it? Like, if they could pay everybody two thousand say per per month. If they would have told, put me on like where I knew I was getting five hundred dollars a week compensated, then plus my fight, that would go a long way because I would take care of some bills. I think there's got to be something done, and I'm really I like the whole thing of being part of a salary plus fight pay because if you get you don't choose how much you get to fight either, and that's what I don't like unless you're cowboy. And then oh, speaking of cowboy, I'm wearing this because MMA community. Pay me, not really. <laughs> but, yeah, he's the Budweiser. Remember, he's like that cold Budweiser. But yeah, man, I really, I don't care for fighters like crying. I just don't like when people think they're Conor McGregor and they they sound like morons talking shit, anyways. But then they want to. I can cuss. Right? I'm not going to do too derogatory, but um, yeah, I just. I, I just don't like when people be yourself and if you're if yourself everybody has their own niche something they're good at you know what I mean it doesn't have to be talking shit but if you let if you talk and let somebody into your world and see how you really are that'll intrigue them that's another thing I don't like when they're bumping over Reem and blades down to the damn prelims you got two of the top five heavyweights remember back when boxing everybody knew the heavyweight champ of the world was mm-hmm. now it's sad that Stipe gets slept on now I'm nothing against Holly and stuff but come on dude you got Curtis Blades who looks the part. He's a freaking monster. He's only one of the only people take Nagano's punches. He's a national champion wrestler. Knockout power. Exciting as hell. Just beat the crap out of Mark Hunt. And then you got Overeem, who if you're gonna be if you want to be the champ, you gotta be able to beat Reem. You know what I mean? So and they're gonna bump that down. That could be end up being better for uh Curtis because of that. And he and uh, on Facebook we talk and stuff and he said he doesn't mind as long as he get paid the same, but it doesn't make much sense and i think they kind of put i don't think they promote the right the right ones and i think they let it they they kind of missed the boat on some of them you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i that that change surprised me this week i thought um of all the fights i figured that they would uh if they were going to bump a heavyweight fight i figured they would have bumped the arlovsky uh it was he fighting tuivasa um yes yeah that, that's the fight i would have yeah. made the, the main exactly. the, the main prelim um you know, I, I know guys like Uriah Faber used to actually favor fighting on the on the Fox uh, Fox Sports prelims because his friends got to watch yes. it for free. And you know, if uh, depending yep. on, I mean, I don't know what's the uh, this is probably be a pretty big selling pay per view, so maybe it won't pay off so much because there'll be a mm-hmm. lot of eyes on it. But um, historically, you'd get almost get more eyes on the on the Fox card. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it affects any uh, like Overeem might have um, uh, pay per view percentage in his pay so i don't know if that he might have you know i doubt blades has that in his contract um but uh, yeah, exactly. that's what i was gonna say but um sorry yeah. but i didn't mean to interrupt you i forgot how this thing works so i'm a little rude sometimes oh, no, no problem um 
so uh so getting back to the, the to your fighting a little bit now uh so my one, one thing i'm you know i used to hear stories about kind of groups like you yours back then you know i was i had a little bit more going on around me around in southern california here it was still a battle to find a good gym and stuff and you know it sounds like we had kind of the same kind of uh upbringing and introduction to the sport where we were just you know it was hour after hour and getting our hands in as much tapes as possible what was it like to finally get to work uh I, I know you got to fight in Elite XCs. I think you thought you said you fought in their last event they ever had. Um, but being a roadie for them, I mean, that w- at that time, Elite XC was a top, you know, two, three organization in the world. To be around guys like Kimbo and Gina Carano and, and all that, what, what was that like being a roadie for them and helping set up and just seeing the, the top, top shelf guys really uh, around you? I just – it was so great because it's like one thing to be a fighter, but getting to see like the dynamic of like how promotion goes, management is like I got to see how it works, and I seen how a lot of guys not to cast stones, but Elite XC was ran by a lot of suits, and like they weren't they weren't taking advice from people they should have. Let's just put it that way. My manager a lot of times these they want to they put their money in the wrong place a lot of times, and that ain't really none of our business. But we know the demographic, and we know that side of it. So when I'm coming up like my manager Chaz they was building the thing is they built Kimbo up so much so much and they they almost put too much pressure on the man that when they built their house on him whenever he got beat by Petra yeah that happened they they literally shot themselves in the foot and you can't have Scala and then damn Gary Shaw's son running around at events you wouldn't believe the things I've seen when you seen Scala acting like a fool pretty much getting chased around by fighters he talks shit to and you look to your right and you see Shaquille O'Neal walking in the building, you're thinking, man, it's like America, like it was our version of Pride almost, like how it was, like has a nostalgia to it, it had its good run, it was like, it was like when Kimbo was as big as it was, man, is it was unbelievable because, like in my mind, I never thought Kimbo was unbeatable, and I always knew he they needed to match him right, and I never thought, I didn't like to sit Petrozelli matchup, but I just loved, like when I was there, dude, the greatest time I ever had one of the MMA events was uh, sitting cage side when Tank Abbott and Kimbo Slice fought in Miami. Mind you, we're in the University of Miami Hurricanes. And Kimbo Slice, when he comes out and Trick Daddy comes out and he does his 305 anthem and stuff with Pit with Pitbull, and here comes Kimbo, and he just had an aura about him. Kimbo Slice, man, was he was an enigma. It's like he, he never – dude, he, he literally – just did what he did. He never had to pipe himself up. He had everybody else almost talking for him. He did his own thing. And Kimbo was the opposite of how most people were perceiving. And, like, the, when we was doing that, like, for instance, like, BJ Penn's brother, J.D. Penn, was the – he was the one of the matchmakers. And he was, like – he was he was an awesome guy. I got to meet a lot of cool people. Hey, Matt, did you uh, – did you ever meet any of the Booyah crew that was with King of the Cage, any of those guys, like Romero and the Godfather out there? Because they live out in California. I never, I never had much personal interaction with them, but I would see them at all the events. You know, that was, uh, I'd see that they, they sold their shirts at the fights, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, we're talking what early two thousands probably, um, to to mid two thousands. I mean, they were they were around, but uh, by that time, honestly, I was probably going to a lot more UFC events. I had kind of started going to to some of the bigger shows. Um, when I was going to King of the Cage, it was mainly the tap out guys. I used to see the tap out guys on the side of the road selling shirts. And before they were even allowed into events, I would see mask with his face paint standing on the side of the road with a, with a van selling, selling t-shirts, you know, outside the Del Taco or something like that. So you said, you said, uh, 
uh, Johnny, you said something interesting that I wanted to, I just, both of you guys, I'd like to hear your opinion. What you said about the suits running Elite XC and the, and the demographic and how, how they, they didn't know the demographic that well. Do you think history is repeating itself right now with the UFC and the current newer, newer owners? I mean, they've been owners for two years, but do you think that the same thing is happening over at the UFC now? Uh, but honestly, in my opinion, what this tells me, like I love Holly Holm. I'm nothing against this has nothing to get with her, but it's if you just look at the freaking last pay per view that done eighty five thousand supposedly early. They're saying it done as uh, that's what they done for the pay per view. That's really really they're putting too much pressure on these women, and it's not fair to them because they don't have the drawing power, and it almost makes people point fingers like so and so is not a sellout. They don't sell it up. Da 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 da. Well, what I'm thinking is going on is. Who is synonymous with Holly Holm? Ronda Rousey. Who's not around him anymore? And they might be trying to they might be trying to reunite that flame and hopefully hopefully that Holly Holm has another head kick knockout. And they might for all we know, they could be trying to build up a rematch with her and Ronda. You never know with these guys. It's almost like they don't these guys aren't like us to where they see and they keep their eye peeled for the next good thing and the next upcoming talent and try to keep it fresh. These are the type of guys if they're used to they're used to business type of things where they think one thing works, they keep going back to it. Well, that ain't how MMA works. A fighter's only as good as his last fighter. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. basketball. You lose a game, and then freaking you can win the next one. People forget it. MMA is – they're so – the consequences for MMA are unlike any other, and it's fair that they're the highest – some of the highest set of consequences. They could be more than just – imagine there's a difference between getting dunked on and getting your a shin upside the face. Like, and they're not compensated well for it. And I think these guys are literally trying to use fighters as like business tools that they don't know how to use. They literally don't. And that's where it's bad with like Fertitas and them are going because them guys, I, they may not have the good legitimately thing what they were doing. They obviously know entertainment because they run the casinos and they know about hand to hand, like what goes, what people like. And that's their job. And I don't think some of these guys. This bit, MMA is like a business. It's so it's in its infancy. These guys are trying to use old tricks on new businesses that isn't going to work. You can't. They literally push and that's cool. They put home on there, but that tells me I think that they know Holly Holm is. You know what I mean? And what she's synonymous. She's known for. You know what I mean? She's literally known for knocking out Ronda Rousey, yeah. and it's almost like she had her biggest moment, and she'll never. She can never redo that. Maybe they're hoping they can get that back. But you're right, buddy. I don't. I don't think I just don't think they use their fighters. I don't think they promote the right way. You can go on all day. It's so stale. It's like it's so sad that the sport itself is evolving, but it doesn't seem the business model is with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think what they're doing with the home and uh, you know she's fighting Megan Anderson, which is uh, she's legit. You know, Holm and, and Anderson are probably the only other two legit 145ers um, in the world other than Cyborg. So I think the plan is basically. To, to sell that fight on the pay-per-view to set up another fight for Cyborg. Because with the amount of, you know, with the very few draws they have now, Cyborg's actually one of their bigger draws. So I think the plan is basically just to set up the number one contender for her again, even even if it's a, a rematch with Holm. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as the promotion goes, I, you know, I, I look back to, you know, we always complained with the Fertitas and stuff in the UFC, but man, they really, uh, they were really a fan-friendly organization for the, yeah. for the fans. Um, from the expos and, you know, I just saw a commercial for, for Vegas this year and 
This will be the first time in eight years that I haven't gone out to, for fight week in Vegas. Uh, it's just too expensive. They don't have an expo any longer. Their expo is an outdoor fan thing. I don't know if this year's is outdoor, but they're not charging for it, which means there's going to be 100,000 <laughs> 100, people standing in line. And if it's yeah. outdoors, it's going to be 110 degrees. Um, I just, you know, I, I, it's not just UFC either. I, I normally uh, only talk pretty well about Bellator, but I just got back from Bellator 199 uh, a couple weeks back, or well, a week and a half, two weeks ago now. And, um, I, it was uh, it was one of the shows where I w- it was probably one of the least impressive Bellator events I've been to. Oh, I mean wow. the fight the fights were fun, but you know the, they had no there was very little electricity in the crowd. They didn't sell a lot of tickets. Um, there was no autograph signings. Um, you know you have nineteen fights. If if I could have the ear of somebody from Bellator, I'd be going, you grab one of your fighters who just won an easy fight, didn't get hurt from one of his 19 prelim fights, and put one of those dudes at every, of one of the three entrances to the arena. Have that guy there to greet the fans, let, the, let him get known. They didn't see his fight because it was two and a half, three hours before the main card started. But I'd have fighters at every entrance. I'd have a fighter at every bar the night before the fights, even if they're not... Uh, you still there, Johnny? Yeah, even if they're uh, even if they're not on the card, I, I would have fighters at the entrances, at the bars. Um, same with UFC. I don't. I, I mean, what would you have to pay a fighter in Bellator who just fought for three hundred dollars on an undercard to stand at a door for an hour and shake fans' hands? Seems to me that hundred dollars or five hundred dollars to pay that guy would go a long way and and just add to the experience. You know, the whole thing with the Bellator event is usually the fan experience was always so – they always had fa- fighters everywhere, and um, they always had autograph sessions, whether it was Fedor or Hoist or Kimbo. And um, this this event was the first one I've been to where it didn't it didn't feel like a special event. All the other ones, I can honestly say, just seemed like they were, they were special, and uh, this one just lacked. So I hope that's not a trend that's going to start. Um, but uh, – I just I think the promotions could be so much better off if they if they put the fighters out there. I mean, I, if UFC used to have a day it seemed like where they'd have uh, you know there'd be five or six bars across the country where they would have Diego Sanchez would be at a bar in Texas or, or uh, New Mexico. Um, you know, you, you'd you'd have guys somebody in L.A. somebody in New York. I just think you you got to get back to that. I think you got to get back to bringing the fans in and keeping them interested. You know, that's. Uh, that's kind of my rant on it. Mm. That's the one thing I would change for promotion right now is get back to being really fan friendly and and uh, and introducing the the fighters to the fans. You know, to, a twelve year old kid shakes some fighter's hand, even if the guy's a prelim fighter. All of a sudden, he's a fan of the guy. I mean, that's how we all got became fans of every other sport we grew up on. You know, so that that would be the one thing I would really I would really change. Yes. They, they're cutting corners in the wrong places, man. You can't – the fighters, you got to take care of your fighters and the fans. Well, uh, well there's after, – after that little rant on the promotion, how about we talk about uh, the main event from the UFC last weekend? Um, I think most people going in would have figured that the Damian Maya uh, kamaru uh, Usman fight would be uh, probably a slower fight. Uh, Maya tends to be that way, and, and Usman hasn't always had uh, explosive fights. But uh, what was your guys' opinion on it? I uh, – I think it pretty much played out like most people thought it would. Uh, how about you, Johnny? What'd you think? Exactly how I thought it would go. I just, uh, Usman's head movements, what really bothers me about him, I think that he, uh, I think 
it, once he learns that he incorporates his striking a little better and mix in with the wrestling, which he's still learning. I'm no greatest in the world or anything, but I just see certain things. There's things he was doing in that fight that if he'd done that against Woodley, I think he'd be on his butt. Yeah, no, I, I saw that too. I mean, he got hit a couple times. Maya, Maya put it on his chin a, a few times, but you know, Maya's never been known for his punching power. Um, Ed, as a as a BJJ black belt, you know, I, the thing I found surprising was the the breakup in the first round when Maya kind of had him in a abdominal yeah. stretch from like WWE, um, where he kind of had half of his back and you know he had his hook in. Um, I thought the breakup was strange because that was really the most exciting fight of the or time of the fight. Yeah. Um, what was your opinion on that? I um I actually was talking about that the following Monday morning with my training partners because I don't I don't understand why that breakup happened. I didn't I didn't see them as being that inactive that it needed to happen. I also found I don't I don't remember ever seeing that Leon Edwards. That was the ref, right? Leon Edwards. He's been around a long time. Yeah. So I don't I mean I know they were using the new rules there, but uh he seemed like to have a really a really big problem at any time they got grabby with each other. I mean, he kept on yelling about uh, watch the glove, grab the wrist. Uh, every time they were they were on on top of each other, and uh, even uh, if you watch that fight again, even Damian Maya looked at him with frustration because he's like, "I'm working a move here, and you're breaking this up." And and that pretty much for him it was downhill right from there. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if he was breaking up the fight because he wanted to keep it entertaining. I have no idea why that breakup happened. I think even Jimmy Smith commented on it and said, uh, you know, that he didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with it at all. But as far as the fight overall, uh, I actually wrote about it on sure dog. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, Usman and Woodley kind of had the same, uh, game plan as far as how to, how to fight a guy like Damian Maya and, uh, Usman just did a busier version of it. So, but, uh, I mean, it was, I didn't think it was bad. I never think any fights bad. So, no, I mean, I watched it from start to finish. I just thought it was kind of it kind of backfired. You know, it was one of those things where I think the referee thought breaking him up would bring excitement to the fight, but that was the most exciting moment of the entire fight. You know, it went 23 more minutes after that of, of you know, jab and jog and, and missed takedowns, basically. You know, so I, I thought that that was kind of, kind of, a, kind of funny how that turned out. Um, as far as the rest of the card goes, you know, there was a couple people that stood out or really stood out for me, and they were the women, some of the women's fights. Um, as a wrestler, Johnny, what do you think of uh, Tatiana Suarez? She seems to be a whole other level above the other women with the wrestling game uh, in the fights we've seen her from her winning the Ultimate Fighter against ACB, and uh, she really handled a, a Grosso this weekend. Yeah, she looked unbelievable, actually. I'm stepping outside. It's a little hot in my door and garage. She's a, a really, really, really good wrestler. So you can always root for the wrestlers, and I always, I'm always wanting to see the next big thing. And I've known about her for a while, and she actually beat cancer, so that's easy to root for somebody like that. I honestly think that she is probably one of the biggest contenders. I think she could be the champ of that division, but it's going to be – she needs a couple more fights, and she, and get let's see her striking improve upon like a lot of these wrestlers you'll see like GSP made it so seamless when he would on his entries on his takedowns how he would how he could strike you know I mean you wouldn't know when he wouldn't tell you when he was coming in to take people down wrestlers have problems putting that all together a lot of times because when you learn a lot of times when you learn to wrestle with your predominant hand say we're right handed I would wrestle with my right leg forward so I would be in a southpaw stance per se boxing so a lot of wrestlers are having to learn. Training. That's the thing with Usman, though. Usman doesn't do that. Usman might box through his uh, through his um, stance, and I think Suarez might too. 
So it's kind of hard to learn how to how to uh, tie that all together because once you're so used to wrestling, you almost have they say wrestlers have like block like concrete boots on because they're like real. You know what I'm saying? Like even Dan Henderson kill you who hit you one time, but he was more stationary. He didn't have much footwork, and that's where I think Usman will improve. Where if he keeps like just like George, his striking can open up his takedowns if he can learn to get his head movement better, use feints, and close the distance because a lot of times a wrestler, when he gets hurt, he's going to go back to what he knows, and that's where it gets it's easier to beat a wrestler because a lot of times wrestlers, they get hurt, they go straight forward when they fall into a takedown, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to hurt a wrestler, you're going to have to use angles. When you hurt a wrestler, you're not going to, when you, if I hurt a guy, I'm going to cut, cut an angle just because if a wrestler's coming in on me, He's gonna he's gonna be beside me, reaching, not even know, and I can finish him off. With it's different footwork, and it's the best ones are the ones that learn to incorporate it. See, back to Tyron Woodley when he started out, he was I was fighting on cards he was on. I was fighting whenever like OSP was on under cards the king of the cage, and it's cool how I've seen these guys improve because whenever. Uh, Woodley started out, he he started going to ATT when he was young, and like going in the gym, and you like I would see. Like Mike Brown at the champ at the at the gym was the champ at the time, and watching Mike Brown catching him and jokes and stuff, he's way bigger than Mike. But Mike, that just shows you technique. But you can just see how gifted Woodley was and when he's training, and like he's gotten better. Than a year and a half later, he's freaking light putting Nate Marquardt to sleep with one of the nastiest knockouts you ever seen. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, uh, you know, Suarez wrestling just really impressed me, and in that in the strawweight division. You know, it's you got Rose who uh, who's been winning her last couple fights with strikes, and um, you know it seems to me like her toughest matchup might be uh, Gadelia um, at one fifteen. Um, but you know, I, I just you know if if she has a chin, if she can take a punch, uh, you know, world class wrestlers like that are, are going to be hard hard to beat, especially yeah. with those smaller weight classes. Um, Ed, what was your opinion on the debut uh, in the UFC debut of uh, KGB Andrea KGB Lee? Um, I thought she, you know, she won by decision um, in that flyweight division with Nico Montano and yeah. uh, uh, the champ and Shevchenko, kind of the number one contender right now. Uh, uh, what was your opinion on her uh, fight, and uh, where I do you thought, think she fits? Uh, I think I think she. I thought her. Deg- I mean, she won, so the de- the uh, debut was great. I mean, uh, I know she wasn't. She wanted to finish and she didn't get it, but I, I thought she showed all her strengths in that fight. Obviously, she's a good looking girl, so uh, the UFC is going to look to push her. Uh, you know right away she'll she'll probably be fighting again sooner than we think um but she's definitely like uh i mean she's definitely uh that was a, that was a good fight to watch i loved her debut i loved uh what's the chick that won too i, I you just mentioned her suarez oh, right? suarez yeah yeah i mean th- that fight was great too i love that finish the i mean her wrestling was was outstanding uh the pressure she put on i mean those fights were that was a good card it's always these for me it's always these cards that people try to say like this weekend, people are trying to say the card's not that good, but those are the ones you want to watch because that's where that's where you find the newer fighters and and uh, a lot of the times that something happens that people talk about for the follow, the whole week after. Exactly, and people don't realize you these guys kind of like we was talking before. You got to start somewhere. You got to get your name out there, and all it takes is somebody watching. Because guarantee a guy could be getting hated on because he's not known. But as soon as he gets the next flying knee knockout, everybody's going to be wanting to act like they've known about him. That's what I'm like. Matt probably takes pride in. I take pride in knowing who the Logan stories stories yeah. are. Then I in the freaking and the Picos. I've been knowing about Aaron Pico since 2011, 12, just through wrestling. So that's the thing. Like coaching, like. 
I get to I hear about talent. I see the national tournaments. I'm constantly just like MMA. I keep my ear to the ground about wrestling, and that's why I always get excited when you see a bad badass wrestlers that are coming over. Like the, that's what Bellator I think is doing really well. And once they marry that in and they get these these wrestlers groomed and stuff, and they start getting behind them, promoting them wise, that's kind of what. People look on the bell tour about bringing in UFC, old this, that, and the other. But people also want to cry about names. That's what's good with this. You can you can build a name. If a guy like Pico has to knock, end up fighting a guy, for instance, it, he ends up having to fight Pitbull, he might take, be, like, be the heir to his throne. You never know. People don't realize. Well, he needs, like I put on the MMA community, that I think he'll beat uh, Pitbull within a year, year or two. And, like, it's going to be a tough task, but Aaron Pico is one of the most special athletes. You can get on YouTube right now and look up videos of when he was 11, 12 years old, and he's hitting hitting the focus, hitting the mids, and back. Like you just can tell the talent's there. And that's he, like I was saying before, he learned to wrestle and had his footwork with boxing incorporated. He was doing pancreation fights when he was, when he was young. You know what I mean, Samba, all kinds of things. And it's kids like – Aaron Pico that don't have idle hands like you can burn kids out I don't really believe in the burning them out there's burning them out they don't get burned out if they're having fun while they're doing it and they're being encouraged there's yeah. what well, kids don't burn out the parents burn out and that's what there's so many good fighters you never even hear like John like JBJ like for years I've heard about him from Greco seen him known of him I was telling I just it's just cool just to see how MMA how it's grown and how to this day your similarities but it's changed a lot well, t- you know, you speak about Bellator and, you know, a lot, they get criticized for some of the matchups they have for guys like Pico. Uh, I know we talked to their cut man, Matt Marsden, a couple weeks back and, mm-hmm. you know, he was saying he wanted to see him step up and fight some better competition. And obviously I think he can handle it, but I, I kind of yeah. appreciate what Bellator is doing with some of their young, young guys. Um, you know, in the world of MMA today, we don't have as many organizations, grassroots like you came up with, where guys could get a bunch of fights under their belt. Um, nowadays, yeah. it's all about signing the new star. So even the UFC has guys that are 1-0, and 2-0, and you know, 5-3, and you know, and Bellator's bringing these guys up and signing them and uh, seem to be taking care of them financially pretty well. So, I, I mean, I, if the guys are going to have to be in the big shows because they can't fight on the HD net fights or the uh, caged mm-hmm. combats or the, the king of the cage, yep. um, I don't have a problem with them building the guys up. Pico's to a point now he's had four fights. I'd give him maybe one more kind of mid-level guy. Uh, he goes five, and, you know, at that point he would be four and one if he were to get a victory. It, it, you know, you move him up in, into the – into the upper uh, echelon or at least, you know, top 10 in their division there. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of Bellator, they got their, uh, their big 200 event this Friday night on uh, Paramount network. Unfortunately, we heard the other night that, uh, or actually yesterday, I guess yesterday, that uh, yeah. Mirko Krokop had uh, suffered a knee injury and had to have uh, had to have surgery yesterday. So his fight with Roy Nelson has been canceled. Uh, apparently they're looking for a, a fill in for somebody to fight Roy. Um, so that gives us back the main event of the uh, middleweight championship, which uh, is uh, the defending champion, Rafael Carvalho, against uh, you know one of the MMA greats, in my opinion, Gegard Mousasi. Um, what do you? Uh, what's your opinion on that fight, Ed? How do you? How do you see that main event going down? And uh, you know, it's a shame we lost the other fight, but uh, how do you think that's going to work? I think it's a good matchup. I mean, those fight like that—that's hard to call because both guys are really good. I mean, Carvalho, Carval- like. Uh, Johnny just said uh, you, you're you're only as good as your last fight, and and Carvalho looked really good in his last fight, and uh, Musasi, even though I mean he he got uh, his eye was messed up he, and it went to a decision, he still fought well against uh, a hammer like Shlomenko. So, 
Um, it's a hard one to call. I'm, I'm not. I'm actually looking forward to seeing it, but uh, I, I don't. Uh, I, it's a coin toss to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Carvalho hasn't. I don't recall him showing much ground game. Um, I know. I know he took down uh, Joe Schilling in a fight I attended out here on the West Coast, and uh, but that was Schilling's a world class kickboxer, so uh, that might have been more of a matchup. I know uh, Musasi's ground game is is a uh, pretty damn superior right now. So I'd like to see, uh, you know, I, I just hope it's an exciting fight. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'll be pulling for Musasi. Um, but uh, what do you think, Johnny? Uh, where do you think Gegard, uh, how do you think he does in that fight? I'm picking Gegard round three, or actually almost say late round two TKO. Uh, I, he has the, he has a stand up to offset Caval. And I think that his, I think he's going to use his. Uh, I think he's going to use his. Uh, you know how he loves to do the trap and arm, and you know he just trips on his takedowns. I'm calling it. I'm going to say TKO. Gegard takes him down, punches and elbows, and I think it's. I don't. I think it'll be kind of. It'll be fairly contested on the feet, and Gegard will take him down. I think. I think Gegard's going to prove a point because people don't like. Unlike most of us, like us, most people think that. Just because Slomenko hasn't been in the UFC, we know Slomenko, how dangerous he is. And we know that that isn't a fight that Gegard should just walk through. I'm not saying he couldn't, but Slomenko is a legitimate, legitimate dude. Like I said in my life, like I was saying, the last fight ever Lee XC ever had, I watched my teammate Bub McDaniel control him for the first four and a half minutes, just beating dog crap out of him on the ground. All it took was one flying knee, and it fractured his ribs, and he was done. Slomenko... Shlomenko is a tough, tough, tough first fight, let alone any fight. Yeah. But I'm going to say uh, Carvalho, his run's over, and I'm going to say the new champ, Gegard Musasi. What's your uh, What's your opinion on uh, Michael Page, MVP? He's got a you know he's got a tough he, coming off of a lackluster fight, uh, a win he had against Fernando Gonzalez. Uh, gosh, what February of last year? Uh, I think he's probably hasn't fought in about a year. Yeah. Um, what uh you know he steps in against the caveman david rickles uh what do you what do you think you know do you think he's the real deal i, I know his striking is we never really seen his ground game um how do you think he does this weekend um he's as real as he come as far i think he he's as good as his matchup i'm excited to see him fight a legitimate wrestler that has very good uh very good jitsu the thing is with him is david rickles that's a Awesome. That he couldn't have had a better fight. David Rickles is a fifty-five year small, gonna be small at seventy. MVP matches up with him bad because Rickles is semi technical, but he's not near in the ballpark of him of MVP. MVP's naturally just longer too. Like just he reminds me of like he fights not like John Jones, but I his advantages at the weight class as far as reach. Not his wrestling, obviously, but his 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 advantage he has off his natural gifts, I think, gives him an advantage over a lot of people. And I just hope that him. I don't want to say anything, but Robbie Hall, you're a trainer, moved to freaking uh, England on us. You're an American wrestler, and you know wrestlers are wrestlers are the test. If you if you're gonna be the man, you got to beat a good wrestler. And I haven't seen Rickles. I haven't seen known Rickles as a really good ground guy, and I don't think he's big enough to even get MVP there. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly beating. I hate to say it, and Rickles is a tough guy, but two tougher's on good. He's. I just hope he doesn't his nose splatter all over because I think that's a bad, bad matchup for him. But you got to respect the guy. He don't back down from any fights. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Johnny. I mean, the, uh, it is a bad, it's a bad matchup. Um, it's like, uh, I mean, as much as I like watching, I mean, obviously he's, he's one of the Bellator staple fighters, um, Dave Rickles, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't see, I mean, it, that's, it's home turf for, 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 uh, MVP. Um, I think he's looking to remind people about his highlight reel knockouts and yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Johnny on that one. I think it's going to, I think it's, I don't like watching him lose. I've seen him get knocked out bad before. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's always rough watching a, a fighter you like get, get, uh, you know, knocked unconscious like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, I feel, I feel like it's one of those matchups that, uh, he obviously he's going to take it cause he's one, he's that type of dude that he's just going to fight cause they're asking him to fight. But, um, and exactly. uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll have a great entrance and all that, but, I just hope we don't get hurt too bad. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, MVP wins, and we finally get that fight with Paul Daly. You know, the, the way the way the MMA world's going today, I expect Bellator to sign Damian Maya and them to put him in there with Paul Daly, so we can we can, we yeah. can watch him get wrestled down again for another fifteen minutes. Um, the third third big fight on that card, uh, Litton Vassell uh, faces off with uh, UFC veteran and. Uh, former uh, Bellator light heavyweight champion, Phil Davis. Um, I think it's a tough matchup for Vassell. He's one of my favorite fighters uh, mm-hmm. currently going. I, you know, I, I really enjoy watching him fight from his, uh, you know, especially his submission game and stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, Phil Davis is one of those guys who hasn't really always had spectacular fights. But, it'd be, you know, off the top of your head, yes. it's hard to remember the fights he lost. You know, and again, as a wrestler, Johnny, uh, I imagine you kind of yeah. see it the same way. Yeah, he lost Anthony Johnson. He beat Gus in his prime, but yeah, um, Gus or um, excuse me, that's another one. Vassell, where he's used to having the the natural gifts of length and stuff. Paul uh, uh, Phil Davis, excuse me, is like a bad matchup for him in that aspect too, because usually he has the advantage with his length and stuff. Phil has, and even this is no Gary even said it, the last thing you want on top of you is a a powerful, strong wrestler that you can't submit because I think it's going to be a long night. I don't see Phil Davis finishing him. I think Phil Davis gets a decision, typical Phil Davis form. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one too, man. I mean, uh, that's a bad matchup. Uh, I'm, I'm favoring Phil Davis just because, uh, do you remember when, when uh, it just hit me now, remember when Bellator did that, uh, British invasion thing? I feel like yeah. this is all, this is almost the opposite. Like it's it's yes. invasion over there. <laughs> so I kind of I, I kind of want Phil Davis to win uh, for that reason. So I'm I'm leaning towards and Phil then, Davis. But like like that that uh, ectomorph body type that Johnny just mentioned that does favor usually the the fighter with that body type. I wrote a whole thing on it over at Medium. People, guys with that type of body type, uh, they usually have uh, an advantage. But when you fight someone that's a look at John Jones versus Gustafsson, they're both ectomorphs and they both fought each other and, and that's good even john john jones calls that uh the hardest fight he ever fought so i think there's something to be said exactly. body type. well i wonder what's going to happen you know the, basically the light heavyweight division in bellator right now off the top of my head is ryan bader king mo uh phil davis and, and linton vassell um bader's already beaten all three of them and he's still in the heavyweight tournament. I, you know, I wonder if that's something where if Bader ends up winning his next fight and keeps advancing, if you set up, uh, they talk about another tournament, maybe set up a light heavyweight tournament to, uh, to crown a, a number one contender for, for Bader. If he, you know, assuming he doesn't win the heavyweight and decide to stay up there and not cut weight and, you know, hang with the big boys. But, um, 
you know, it, I, I think it's gonna be a good fight. I, you know, I'll be pulling for Linton, but uh, Linton, but uh, I think Phil, like you said, I think he grinds out a decision win and, um, you know, keeps going and eventually gets a rematch with Bader if they keep the, uh, if they keep that going there. Um, you know, we got a busy weekend to get in fights with Bellator on Friday, Sunday morning um, here in the United States. We get uh, a UFC fight night. Um, the main fight that night is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Darren Till uh, in Liverpool. Um, I'm a big fan of Wonderboy. Uh, I've seen him fight a handful of times live. Unfortunately, I was at both of his fights with Woodley. But, um, you know, I, I, I think he's just going to be too smooth for the youngster Till. I think he'll avoid the big hit, uh, you know, the big strikes, and be able to kind of pick apart the uh, the more aggressive fighter in Till. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that that's kind of how I see it. I don't I don't know if there's a finish in the fight. I guess it will be a five-rounder as a main event, but uh, – so we might get a chance to see what Till's gas tank looks like, but um, I don't know. What do you think on that one, Johnny? You got basically two strikers going at it. I was talking to my buddies Whistler and Luke Bennett today at work about it. They're guys I work with and stuff, and they just love MMA like that. And they was they was kind of asking me what I thought, and I think it's going to come down to like you said, um, just experience of of Wonder Boy because. I had to go back to it again, but who's he trained with every day? He trains with the Chris Weidman, somebody that's big, long. That's where Till usually has an advantage. He's not going to have an advantage with length, and he's usually more straight forward. That's why, like, um, like if you see, like, tension, he fights. He's beating these Muay Thai guys. He's a karate base. It's different angles, and these and guys in Muay Thai, once you go, you coming from these different angles and stuff, that changes the way people see punches, where they're coming from, different angles. And, then they, and Darren Till, you can have somebody emulate Wonderboy all you want, but until you step in there with him, I promise there's been Darren, uh, Wonderboy's trained with elite, uh, Thai guys like that's Muay Thai like he Till is, but I honestly believe Wonderboy's going to be too much. He's going to – I honestly pick him by something spinning. Uh, I pick him <laughs> by TKO also. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be I think there's going to be a lot of finishes. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's like uh even you just made me think about uh that was then he didn't he stop uh Hendrix with a spinning like a spinning back kick to the liver. I see something like that happening. Yeah. Yes, and he, I can I could see that. I think it's going to be similar. Remember when Wonderboy fought uh Matt uh when he fought uh Matt Brown, and it was a back and forth war, and that's when Wonder Boy was the young dog, young gun, and, and Matt Brown weathered the storm and ended up finishing, finishing him. I think that's going to be Darren Till's mode. I think that's going to be. I think uh, they're going to get in a, a firefight, and I think uh, Wonder Boy is going to take a place he hasn't been inside the octagon. Mm. And I think, I think honestly, I, I'd say you as good as you train with. Training with somebody like Chris Wyman, my fiance Rachel is obsessed. She loves Chris Wyman and GSP, and if she finds she knows that uh, Wonder Boy trains, she roots for him every time. So I don't want to get my butt kicked. I'm gonna pick, uh, yeah, Darren. I'm, I'm picking Wonder Boy. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I think Wonder Boy will win. I you know I don't know about the finish. It, well, I, I think it'll come down to the uh, Till's gas tank a little bit. Um, you know, once we we get us starting into the deeper waters of the later rounds. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting if uh, Wonder Boy wins the fight, uh, what he does. Uh, obviously, a third fight with Woodley is is something that he would deserve per se, but uh, not something that many people would probably pay to watch at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wonder if uh, you know. I, most people don't remember, but I, I believe I was at, I was at UFC 170, and he uh, he knocked out Robert Whitaker in the first round. 
who is, who is the uh, 185 dirty. champion. And uh, if 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 yes. Whitaker if Whitaker defeats Romero, um, I wonder if uh, I wonder if uh, Wonder Boy thinks about going up to eighty five and uh and and trying to take that belt. I mean, he might be undersized. You got to win over the champion. It's hard not to want to go get that. I ain't told you that. Though I like the way you think. I like that. I like that. I just hope that the dynamic of him and Weidman being teammates. I hope that doesn't come into play because. Unless, I honestly, I like the way you think. Almost, it's almost like a one-off. He, he maybe get a title shot, and maybe not stay there. Uh, well, personally, I think a GSP and Wonder Boy fight would be amazing. That's one a fight I'd love to see. That'd be I think one. GSP would control. I would just like to see it per se, just because they're both karate backgrounds. But I, in the end, I think GSP too much. But I like the way you're thinking going up to 85. I just hope the dynamic of Weidman and him doesn't uh, play into that. I'm sure he's thought about it, but no one wonder, boy, he'll probably, he's just worried about Till, and I'm sure things will clear up by then. But you're honestly, you're right. There really isn't much for him to do. Who could he fight the winner of Dos Anjos and Dos Anjos and Colby Covington? Well, John Colby Covington gets his whole head ripped off. That's another story. He's <laughs> well, the biggest it, it, you know, in, in theory, the winner of that fight should fight Woodley since it's the interim title. Yes. We we know that that's not that's not a guarantee any longer. I just think I I think you know I, you got Romero, you got uh, I mean people are talking about Kelvin, um, who's coming off a big win yeah. and and he could fight the winner of that, but he also could have one more fight. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. a shoe in for that title fight. So uh, maybe you do uh, maybe you do Kelvin versus uh, Wonder Boy for the number one contender uh, to fight uh, there. If uh, if if Weidman becomes an issue, I mean he's a massive 85er, and I know he's talked yeah. about going up to 205. There's not a lot of depth at 205. Again, he could, yes, he could sure. there, you know, he wins, he wins a fight. I mean, you're looking at Latifi and uh, and and Glover and you know, yes. uh, you know Gus and and uh, you know if if Cormier Cormier said he's going to come, uh, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, if you if he beats Steve Bay, he's basically going to give up that belt and then come back and defend his belt one more time. You know, uh, Weidman, although uh, Cormier would probably be a bad matchup for him, would be a fresh fight for him. If you wanted to have just another name on his resume, as opposed to having a rematch with a Glover or a or a Gustafson, you know, so I don't know. There's there's a lot of possibilities, and and you know, with guys cutting so much weight, that you know, uh, it seems like they could go up another division and 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 be competitive, especially with the depth at at, uh, at light heavyweight. I've been seeing buzz for that, though. A lot of people are are, are would wouldn't mind seeing that one uh, uh, Wonder Boy going to 185. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys something. If Let's jump in the gun a little bit. But if Cormier does beat Stipe, I, you, we honestly, he, I'd have to put him up as on number two greatest fighter of all time, two or three conversation. I think he's already up there yeah. as far. But Cormier is the man's man. Think about what he's done. There's the only crypto oh, yeah. is John but there's an asterisk with that. And, like, I'm a Jones fan supporter. My, my fiance's got – you guys would love this. She's got a um, shirt signed by all of Greg Jackson's and John Jones' beautiful signatures on there. But I hope – I just hope that Cormier I, – I, I'm rooting for Cormier, but I, I really want him to win. And I just – I hope that him and John can one day get – let there be a little closure. I think Cormier needs one. I hate to say it, but I think – him and John Jones need to fight one more time. And I wish there was just a freaking drama surrounding. I just wish we could have just one fight. It's just about the fight. You know what I mean? Cause it was almost too good to be true when John won. It was like when he won, I was, I liked for him. And it was just like, I just knew something would happen to happen, but I just, Cormier is the man. 
Yeah. Well, if, Car- if Cormier beats Stipe, then he's undoubtedly one of the greatest fighters of all time. He is. He is even with a loss. I mean, he's he's already top top ten all time in my opinion. Um, the funny thing is that if he, uh, you know, if he beats Stipe, you basically start talking about, you know, uh, two of the three, two of the four greatest fighters basically being a heavyweights with the body types of Fedor and Cormier. It, two guys you would never look at their body Fedor types. Him. And you, you would never think that these guys are the guys that, that when history is written, they'll be, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of, of heavyweights. And, you know, uh, I think Cormier is 12-0 and 0 at heavyweight. So a 13-0 and 0 and yeah. a, a victory over Stipe and, you know, whatever he would make him, what, 18-2 and 2 at light heavyweight with yeah. only losses to John Jones. Um, you know, if I'm Cormier and I win the heavyweight title – Depending on the suspension John Jones gets, I tell John Jones to come to my weight class. I'm not cutting weight. I'm not killing like myself that. to get down to 205. You 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 come in at 235. Yeah. I'll come in at 235. <laughs> you know, no weight cutting, no diuretics, no <laughs> pills of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's do it for let's do it for the big boy belt and, and find out who the world's baddest man is. You know, yeah. for me that's he, the heavyweights. You know, the body types, even Cain Velasquez, he's not like you look at him and it ain't like he's built like a Greek god. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. He's a little bit more uh, more squared off. So he's kind of got the chiseled, you know, facial features, I guess, more than, you know, than you kind of have yes. with uh, Fedor. But body types, you're, you're exactly you're exactly right. So what do you, what do you, who do you take in a prime John Jones, prime, John Jones, Fedor, both prime? I love that'd be one of the great. That'd be sick. Prime in the prime in a in a ring, I would take Fedor. In a you cage, you I would probably take John Matt Jones. that question. Matt's always going to take Fedor if Fedor is an option. No, pretty much. <laughs> but I, I got to be realistic. Uh, he, he did say in the cage. In, in the cage, John Jones would have mm-hmm. a chance. You're right about. He, he'd get it, he'd get him up against the cage, and he, I think he'd have an easier chance of getting a takedown. I mean, historically, nobody's really ever held Fedor down other than Bigfoot, a guy who's massive. But in my mind, if they fought. I mean, if 245 pound Fedor fights 205 John Jones, I think he wins every time. If John Jones comes in at a pride like 245 pounds, if you know what I mean, it, that's you know that's like a Kevin Randleman times 12. You know, so yeah. I I think that uh you know I, that, but you know, like I said, I generally won't pick against Fedor in a ring. I think he would be too savvy for John. Um, and we've never still we still haven't really seen John take a big punch, you know, which is a credit to him. But we've Machida's only one. I only one I can think of. You know, we've never seen Machida him. Bear, I've seen Machida crack him, but it ain't the same as a heavyweight. Yeah, I guess Machida hit him, but we never saw him where he was kind of dazed yeah. and and had to fight through the adversity of being losing a fight, and that's that's uh, you know or being lo- being losing at a at a at a time in a fight you know that's what kind of separates the you know the guys who dig down taste their own blood and then get off the mat and finish guys off you know that's the stuff exactly. that that's what made Fedor you know kind of you know his fights with Fujita and his fights with Randleman and um you know even you know some of his up to even his fight with Brett Rogers where for, he gets broken nose on the first punch of the fight you know so I think that would be, you know, that's a spectacular fight. That's one we'll never see, or at least I hope we don't see. You know, I hope John Jones doesn't get, you know, I hope we don't see that in Risen at this point or uh, something like that because it would be a, it'd be a disservice to Fedor. Uh, I'm pulling for Fedor to win the heavyweight Grand Prix and and fade, fade off into the sunset. Maybe have a retirement fight in Russia against Karatanov or something. Or you know, I don't oh, care. Yeah, if they okay. want, I don't care if they want to give him the, you know, the 
the Michelin man at that point in Japan. But, um, <laughs> you know, if he wins the heavyweight Grand Prix, he, he goes into the sunset and a new, a new uh, group of fans have got to see one of the greatest fighters uh, compete through a, you know, an eight man Grand Prix. So, you know, it's, it's been great talking to you, Johnny. We're uh, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our, uh, good, our show here. Um, is there anybody you want to throw a shout out to? Uh, I don't know if you have any sponsors, yeah. your wrestling uh, school. Whatever uh, I just like to, I just like to thank my family, uh, Rachel, Rachel Cassiano, Kylie, uh, all the guys I work with, Stephen, Luke. I even thought I'd chat my buddy, my bosses, everybody that's just been there for Chaz Bowling. Recipes to my brother Chris. It's kind of awkward just because I feel like I'm giving a an acceptance speech. Uh, I just. Um, I just, I just appreciate you guys having me on. I just want to thank all the fans that, uh, even though you know, I mean, I never got to be, I never was the UFC champ. I always felt loved, like you were saying earlier. All the kids that, all the kids like Trisden, my, I want to say my wrestlers, Trisden Carson, Connor, my little wrestler Austin, AJ Black. I just all the Newcastle wrestlers and anybody that I help. I'm just glad I get to help you guys, and I'm glad I get to talk to people like you because wrestling and fighting brought took me across the United States of America. Got to see a lot of cool things, meet a lot of cool people, and made me the man I am today. So I just want to thank everybody. Well, that's I awesome. Love, and I love all my family. And uh, you cool, know, for man. that's really yeah, cool. That is awesome. Um, you are on uh, on the MMA Community dot com. You are. Uh, uh, at uh, ECC170. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to join that forum and, and look you up and and yeah. uh, continue to see your opinions on the on the fights in the future and, and look up some of your past posts, you're you know you turned out to be one of the most knowledgeable people I've I've had the privilege to talk to. Um, so I really Thanks, really really appreciate having you on as somebody who had your experience and got to see some of the stuff growing up uh, uh, around the same time I did. It was it was a pleasure. So appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Uh, no problem, brother. Shout out to Dirk and Splinty on the MMA community also. <laughs> well, there you and go. Robbie, hey, and Robbie Hart, Robbie Hart, I own you. See this man right here? If you ever have the balls to get your passport <laughs> come back to America, I will tech for you, son. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, and everybody else can, as usual, check us out at Twitter at Combat Hour. Uh, myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can check out Ed at Carbazel on, uh, on Twitter. Um, Ed, you got anything to say uh, before we uh, sign off here? No, uh, thanks, uh, for thank, thanks uh, for Johnny coming on. Thanks for for uh, sharing those stories, man. That, that's a uh, that was some good stuff. All right, appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, anytime, fellas. Uh, I'm an open book. I got millions and millions of stories. We can talk for hours, but anytime you want to, just holler at me. Good talking to you, boys. All right. So, sounds good, my man. Till next time. Later, dudes.